Chapter Twenty Nine of the Blythedale Romance. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Blythedale Romance by Nathaniel Hawthorne. Chapter Twenty Nine. Miles Coverdale's Confession. It remains only to say a few words about myself. Not improbably, the reader might be willing to spare me the trouble, for I have made but a poor and dim figure in my own narrative, establishing no separate interest and suffering my colorless life to take its hue from other lives. But one still retains some little consideration for oneself, so I keep these last two or three pages for my individual and sole behoof. But what, after all, have I to tell? Nothing, nothing, nothing. I left Blythedale within the week after Zenobia's death, and went back thither no more. The whole soil of our farm, for a long time afterwards, seemed but the sodded earth over her grave. I could not toil there nor live upon its products. Often, however, in these years that are darkening around me, I remember our beautiful scheme of a noble and unselfish life, and how fair in that first summer appeared the prospect that it might endure for generations and be perfected as the ages rolled away into the system of a people and a world were my former associates now there were there only three or four of those true-hearted men still laboring in the sun i sometimes fancy that i should direct my world-weary footsteps thitherward and entreat them to receive me for old friendship's sake more and more i feel that we had struck upon what ought to be a truth posterity may dig it up and profit by it the experiment, so far as its original projectors were concerned, proved long ago a failure, first lapsing into Fourierism, and dying as it well deserved for this infidelity to its own higher spirit. Where once we toiled with our whole hopeful hearts, the town paupers, aged, nerveless, and disconsolate, creep sluggishly afield. Alas, what faith is requisite to bear up against such results of generous effort! My subsequent life has passed, I was going to say happily, but at all events tolerably enough. I am now at middle age, well, well, a step or two beyond the midmost point, and I care not a fig who knows it. A bachelor, with no very decided purpose of ever being otherwise— I have been twice to Europe and spent a year or two rather agreeably at each visit. Being well-to-do in the world and having nobody but myself to care for, I live very much at my ease and fare sumptuously every day. As for poetry, I have given it up, notwithstanding that Dr. Griswold, as the reader of course knows, has placed me at a fair elevation among our minor minstrelsy, on the strength of my pretty little volume published ten years ago. As regards human progress, in spite of my irrepressible yearnings over the Blythedale reminiscences, let them believe in it who can, and aid in it who choose. If I could earnestly do either, it might be all the better for my comfort. As Hollingsworth once told me, I lack a purpose. How strange! He was ruined morally by an overplus of the very same ingredient, the want of which, I occasionally suspect, has rendered my own life all an emptiness. 
I by no means wish to die. Yet were there any cause in this whole chaos of human struggle, worth a sane man's dying for, and which my death would benefit, then, provided, however, the effort did not involve an unreasonable amount of trouble, methinks I might be bold to offer up my life. If Kossuth, for example, would pitch the battlefield of Hungarian rights within an easy ride of my abode, and choose a mild, sunny morning after breakfast for the conflict, Miles Coverdale would gladly be his man for one brave rush upon the levelled bayonets. Further than that, I should be loath to pledge myself. I exaggerate my own defects. The reader must not take my own word for it, nor believe me altogether changed from the young man who once hoped strenuously and struggled not so much amiss. Frostier heads than mine have gained honor in the world. Frostier hearts have imbibed new warmth and been newly happy. Life, however, it must be owned, has come to a rather idle pass with me. Would my friends like to know what brought it thither? There is one secret, I have concealed it all along, and never meant to let the least whisper of it escape, one foolish little secret which possibly may have had something to do with these inactive years of meridian manhood, with my bachelorship, with the unsatisfied retrospect that I fling back on life, and my listless glance towards the future. Shall I reveal it? It is an absurd thing for a man in his afternoon, a man of the world, moreover, with these three white hairs in his brown moustache, and that deepening track of a crow's foot on each temple, an absurd thing ever to have happened, and quite the absurdest for an old bachelor like me to talk about. But it rises to my throat, so let it come. I perceive, moreover, that the confession, brief as it shall be, will throw a gleam of light over my behavior throughout the foregoing incidents, and is indeed essential to the full understanding of my story. The reader, therefore, since I have disclosed so much, is entitled to this one word more. As I write it, he will charitably suppose me to blush and turn away my face. I, I myself, was in love with Priscilla. End of chapter 29 End of The Blythedale Romance by Nathaniel Hawthorne